I am welcoming you to our October 1st show. I am here with the amazing Ken. And happy October. Happy October to you. I was just going to say that. And the Professor Lou Blassi behind the board. Today we are continuing our series, kind of our special October get you excited about the Halloween holiday with our special guest who'll be coming on in just a little bit, Grim Dup from Twisted History Tours out in Port Townsend, Washington. So Washington. Washington mm. State. So we're crossing the country to bring everybody some really cool ghost stories. And it's nice, you know, for us this time of year to hear other people tell us ghost stories because we are straight out with our ghost stories. Um, <laughs> last night we had two sold-out tours in York, Maine, mm -hmm. quaint little old York Village, which was fantastic. We had a great audience. Everybody went home with books <laughs> that they bought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this time they actually I just want to clarify, <laughs> unlike previous events where everybody <laughs> thought they got a free book with the event. No, there were a couple of great doors. No, it was it was gorgeous night. It was like 70 degrees, beautiful sunset, walking through the old cemetery, checking out all the old houses. It was really, really awesome. It got dark and creepy. We had bats. We had bats. Oh, real bats. Yeah. yeah. Nice. A uh, couple years That's ago. That's production value. Well, <laughs> we break out all the stops. We pay them well. We do. We feed them well. Bat feed, whatever that is. <laughs> Bat feed. <laughs> A couple of years when we did the tour, we had an owl in our cemetery, and then there was an owl behind Town Hall in the other cemetery, and the two of them were calling to each other during the tour. Oh, it was the, nice. like the coolest thing ever at twilight, hearing the owls hooting to that each other. That was super cool. Yeah. So unfortunately, they were out of our budget this year, so we only had bats. <laughs> We'll be back in York with our Haunted Trolley Tours, our Haunted York and Kittery Trolley Tours, which are all sold out for the season. I think probably this weekend they'll be doing Scarecrows of the Port. They usually, so. It's usually like the first weekend in October, and they decorate all the scarecrows, and they're up on every post in town. So that's oh, always yeah, that's right. Yeah. And they'll be up for the month. Yeah, and and they'll they'll be up until like November first. That's right. <laughs> and then they all come down. It's great to see the city get ready for Halloween. And of course, at the end of the month, we do have the Halloween parade. If you haven't been to the Portsmouth Halloween parade, play mark your calendar. It's the People's Parade. The creativity of the people's costumes and just the general vibe of everybody having a good time. It's really fun. It's just like a just everybody just lines the streets in ghoulish, outlandish outfits. It's super <laughs> oh, fun. I like it. In the dark. It, but, of course, the backdrop of all of the historic homes. Right. Just oh, really, yeah. the, I mean, it's like a, a the Halloween old buildings, party. The North Church, all mm -hmm. of that. So they are changing the route this year. Did you know that? I did not know they that. They are changing the route because it used to go in front of the fire department, and they were very concerned that the first responders couldn't oh, get out. Yeah. So they're moving it from Court Street, and it's going to be more on Daniel Street and more hmm. on State Street. So um, if you are going this year and you're a regular to the Portsmouth Halloween Parade, just keep in mind the route is different, and you can find their route on their website, um, PortsmouthHalloweenParade.org. So just plan ahead. It's still does meet out on Pierce Island, and, and the walk is always great. It ends back at Prescott Park. Just keep in mind, um, this year they're changing the route, and everybody's pretty happy about that. So, Well, it seems like it'll keep it more centralized in downtown, which I think is a plus. Uh, and that was their thought, too. And, and of course, you know, if, if any of the fire trucks had to get out and people are in the street, that's kind of tough to navigate. That's a problem. And the streets are so narrow anyways. So, yeah, so we're super excited for the Halloween parade. We still can't believe it's October. Like, September flew by like the shadow of a ghost on the moon. I mean, it was just, it, it was great, but it's now, it's high season for us. 
For the best and curious entertainment, you have to check out New England Curiosities, located in the historic city of Portsmouth, New Hampshire. New England Curiosities offers tales and tours of folklore, ghosts, and mysterious history with author and historian Roxy Zwicker, New Hampshire's longest-running and original ghost tour. Roxy has been entertaining the locals, visitors from away, and curious souls since 1994. New England Curiosities has been offering tours and special haunted events since 2002. Highly respected and thoroughly entertaining. You'll be talking about your experience for months to come. Discover why New England Curiosities is consistently on top of travel and tourism lists. Yankee Magazine calls the Shadows and Stones Graveyard Tour one of New England's top five cemetery tours. The Boston Globe says an experience with New England Curiosities is one of the three best alternatives to visiting Salem, Massachusetts. From scenic trolley rides to walking tours and speaking engagements, there's something for everyone. So join New England Curiosities and experience why they are consistently featured in the media, including television appearances on the History Channel and the Travel Channel. Check out the latest legendary tours and events from New England Curiosities at NewEnglandCuriosities.com. And be sure to like New England Curiosities on Facebook. Just about to bring on Grimmed Up from Twisted History Tours. I love that name, Twisted History. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. Um, And they are out in Port Townsend, Washington. Good morning, Grim. Good morning. How are you? I am doing very well. How about yourself? We are doing Doing excellent. This is high time, I'm sure, for you as well as us. It's it's getting geared up, that's for sure. (laughs) About how many tours are you guys doing a week right now out there? Uh, We do tours every two hours, seven days a week, starting at noon. Starting at noon. Oh, that's awesome. We do uh, straight history tours and what we call family-friendly phantoms during the daylight hours, and then we transition into our dead of night tours once the sun goes down. Now, do you do all the tours, Graham, or do you have a team of people that are out there with you? I have a team of researchers and storytellers that uh, help uh, pick up the slack. Nice. <laughs> nice. we got to work on getting a team. That's right. We need a team. We need, we need a team, too. Need more staff. <laughs> <laughs> it makes life a lot easier. Yeah, I, I think we could definitely appreciate that. So, so Grim, I love the name Twisted History Tours. I think that's fantastic. Um, I, I love that it also says founded on dreams and built on nightmares. So, yep. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about Port Townsend um, out there on the West Coast. Well, Port Townsend is, uh, I like to refer to it as a living, breathing museum. We're a small little community of about 9,000 people on the Strait of Juan de Fuca. Um, our our nickname back in the day was the uh, the key city or the city of dreams back in the 1850s because we were uh, slated to be the main port of call as well as uh, have the railroad uh, connect us to uh, points further south in Oregon and California. But with the uh, Great Depression of the 1890s, that pretty much killed all those dreams. The investors pulled out, and they basically left downtown Port Townsend uh, relatively abandoned. Um, many of the buildings on the top floors, the second, third, fourth floors, um, were just completely left abandoned until the 1970s. Um, and then after about 1975, uh, our tourism industry started to take off, and it was realized that we are definitely a living, breathing museum um, of architecture. We have over 300 uh, Victorian-era buildings and houses in our historic district. Um, 
So and that's, a, that's a basic background of Port Townsend, and then it goes into why are we so paranormal here? <laughs> we have quite the uh, paranormal activity that takes place here. So when, you, when you're researching these stories, Graham, who do you find are, are kind of your best resources for sharing the experiences that are happening in Port Townsend? Oh, boy. Um, I've got a couple of great sources that we work with. Um, one of them is the 17 or so heritage families that we've interviewed over the last few years. Um, and heritage families are families that can trace their lineage back to the founding of Port Townsend. Wow. Mm. So what they do is they supply me with the tales of uh, death, debauchery, murder, crime, prostitution, and mayhem. And then we validate those through the uh, county court records. And then once from, we go from there, then, then we roll into investigating some of these sites to, uh, to ensure that they're good quality sites to include on our, on our tours. Now, when you go out on the tours, are, are you just doing the stories or do you allow people to explore a little bit of the property with you? When we're doing our uh, standard walking tours, it's uh, uh, what is it? It's an hour and a half walking tour of downtown or uptown, depending on which tour is booked. And uh, those are strictly just walking tours in and around the properties. And um, our late time tour, we have what's called the Dead of Night uh, tour, and that one starts at uh, 10 p.m. on our end. And that is a two-hour experience where we actually bring equipment with us to these different locations in an attempt to uh, validate the paranormal experiences that supposedly take place there. That's and great. we allow the guests that are on the tour to use the equipment as well. And, and how does that go? Do you, do you get a lot of activity on that tour where people are like, oh, my God, you know, I thought I was just coming out and, and going to experience a little bit, and I got more than I bargained for? Um, it's pretty hit and miss. I'd okay. say... Um, I'd say about 50% of the time we get uh, activity on the equipment that we take with us that, that we can't explain away that is definitely something of the paranormal variety. And the greatest majority of the guests that um, experience those types of activities, um, it shocks them. Mm. You know, they're anticipating just, you know, some cool stories and some maybe some beeps and whistles that we can't quite figure out. But in the end, they walk away feeling pretty impressed. Nice. So I, I'm going to assume, Grim, that you are a believer in spirits. Oh, yes. Okay. And wh- why did you even get started doing these ghost tours? It's always a, a strange thing for us to explain how we ended up doing this. And everybody I talk to, it's always like this strange road. On Never really planned on making this my full-time job, but here I am doing it somehow. What's, what's your story, Grim? Well, we, uh, my wife and I, we uh, spent... My old pushing 12 years living in uh, Michigan uh, through the bad economy, and we decided it was time to, to leave that area and move back to where I grew up, over here in Port Townsend, and, and try and make a go of it. And uh, my wife, she'd never been out here before, and, uh, but she knew enough about the economy and, and the environment of Port Townsend to wonder what I was going to do for work. Um, I just gave up 15 years of uh, corporate sales to move back here to town. And I told her we'll find something within a week. Um, and week one, we found a company that was uh, doing pedal taxis, pedal tours of town in little rickshaw. And I thought, that's what we'll do. So I bought that company from them um, and decided I didn't like pedaling people through town. And um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was a pain. <laughs> but what I did find is the greatest majority of the folks that were taking the pedal taxi rides, they weren't so much into it for the fun little ride through town as they were about the history of our community. Mm-hmm. So we started out just sort of 
peddling people through our community, telling fun little stories about our history, and it slowly morphed into uh, we got so popular that we couldn't do the pedal taxis anymore. Uh, you know, you can only set two people at a time on them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we uh, phased those out of our standard tour and just turned it into a walking tour after doing a lot of research about the community and some of the, uh, some of the terrible acts that took place in our past. Now, what do you say to the to the folks that come on the tours? Because one of the things when when we start our walking tour, I'll, I'll generally try to ask people, you know, how many people do we have that are believers? How many people that we have are skeptics? And you know, I always hope that at the end of the tour, I tell them that you come away with something, some new appreciation for Portsmouth. What do you find when when people come on the tours, and you know, you've got that kind of divide? How how do you keep them entertained? Um, I think that's. Uh we have fun. Nice. <laughs> we do, too. Um, I, I find that I, I'd say uh, 90% of the people that book our tours are, are women that tend to be more open-minded towards the paranormal. Mm-hmm. And it's usually the men that are giving us a bit of a hard time. And that's <laughs> where um, sometimes I'll single one or two of the men out and just sort of pick on them throughout the night a little bit. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> um, but one of the reasons that we call ourselves Twisted History is because we, we focus not just on the paranormal. Mm-hmm. Um, during our walking tours, um, we really highlight the town's past as well as the paranormal activity. So it's a good blend of twisted history. Nice. Um, for Portsmouth, where we do our tours, I think people are always surprised to hear that in the entire state of New Hampshire, Portsmouth holds the record for the highest number of unsolved murders. What would something be from where you are that might be really surprising for a visitor to find out? Well, um, our downtown Port Townsend is only about nine blocks long. Um, It's not a real big community, but the thing that people really get shocked about is in 1889, well, from 1889 to about uh, 1910, give or take, we were averaging um, a murder a week in downtown Port Townsend. Mm. Holy cow. with, and the high point is we actually hit a high of 45 murders in one week in downtown. Um, we were a major Shanghai town. We had 14 mm-hmm. brothels, 22 drinking establishments, two distilleries, open, uh, opium production, and, uh, and a couple of breweries. And you, and you combined all of that together, what you ended up with is a lot of mayhem. <laughs> Sounds like your kind of place, Lou. <laughs> Sounds like they showed a couple distilleries, I think. It's yep. a lot for two distilleries to service. <laughs> so when people walk away going, good God, this quaint little seaside town has got that kind of, an, of a past, it really shocks them. Oh, that's I, I, I love revealing kind of behind the, the picture postcard exterior to show people what its past was. And, and Portugal yeah. has done s- such a such an extensive job in trying to hide that from the common eye. They've torn down buildings and changed street names and it's just such, uh-huh. a, such a part of the fabric of the city. I, I love that you're out there doing it. Oh, it's, it has turned into an absolute passion. Um, to me, uh, you know, what really inspired me to really turn this into something big um, throughout our entire region is, is, is our local historic society. They've done a great job preserving the history of our community um, and they conduct tours themselves, but for the most part, on their tours, they, they, they've really cleaned up the the past. Uh, they don't refer to some of the more notorious acts that took place. And to me, that's something that needs to be kept alive. That's mm-hmm. part of the fabric of our community. It's what helped create who we are as a town today. 
So, so do you find that you work kind of hand in hand with the historical society in Portsmouth? You know, they're going to give you the history, and they always tell people if you want to hear the ghost stories and the stories behind it to come out with us. Do you find kind of that same sort of relationship over there, or are they like, don't talk about the ghost stories? Don't talk about the ghost stories. <laughs> uh, okay. Really? Uh, oh. It's interesting because uh, there's several organizations that have rated Port Townsend in the top 20 most paranormal hotspots in the re- in the country. Mm. Um, we lay claim to four haunted hotels, um, all kinds of uh, homes in our uptown district that have experienced different uh, paranormal activities. And we're a very open-minded community as far as that goes. But for whatever reason, the uh, the, the old school um, mentality still holds when it comes to, we're not going to talk about the whores. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I, I still do see a little bit of that out there, even in New England, too. You know, they, they try to squeaky clean some of our neighborhoods there. And Okay, it's a port town. Mm-hmm. It's not a big secret. Exactly. Just like ports. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're going to expect that when you go to a place like that. Mm-hmm. So, and so, it's interesting because the business owners, um, they appreciate what we do because um, not only do we do the tours, mm-hmm. but we're also talking about the buildings and the stores within the buildings and making it a very personalized experience. Um, and what we find is people, I uh, guess, that have taken the tours, um, let's say on a Friday night, spend all of Saturday going to these different locations, mm-hmm. going, Ellen, this is where this happened. And this mm-hmm. is, and before long, the businesses started to catch on that we're bringing folks through the community um, and introducing them to the stores that they may not have um, ordinarily done. Right. So the, the community on a whole was very supportive. Well, I, you know, I think, Grim, I think a lot of people miss that about, you know, people like us that do ghost tours. And I was speaking to a business owner just over the weekend, and he was talking about, you know, I see everybody out there applauding your tours. You're like, they must have a really good time. And so I talked to him about, you know, when people come to Portsmouth, they're coming to not only go on the tour, but they go shopping, they go dining, they'll stay the extra mm-hmm. day. And he's like, he's like, you know, I never really thought of it. He's like, you're kind of an ambassador for the city. And and, yeah. and you are too, and it's you know it's one of the things when you love the city and you love the stories, you're out there and you want people to have that experience. And I, I'm totally exactly. getting that from you, Grim. Oh, it, it is an absolute passion um, doing these doing these tours, not just in Port Townsend, but in the other cities that we're opening up in. It and what I find most amazing. And I'm going to use Port Townsend as the example, is, um, is we track everything um, as far as guest flow goes. Mm-hmm. And, and we know where our guests are coming from. We know why they're coming to Port Townsend mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, and you consider that out of uh, you know, the 3,000-some-odd people that we toured through so far this season, um, over 90% of them came to our town specifically to do the ghost tour. Mm-hmm. So to me, that says a lot about there's an interest for it um, for the, from from the general public, and it's really a great benefit to a community, any community, if they can offer these kind of tours because it brings folks in. It really does, and there's there's so much more that can be done. I mean, we're we're on our 17th year of doing ghost tours on the seacoast, and we give back to the community a lot whenever we have an opportunity to volunteer our time or do a tour as a fundraiser. We do, and I, I think that's something, you know, as you know, as running the company, which we never really even thought we'd be doing this full-time, is, right. is a way to give back. And, you know, I, I, I want people, when they come, to come back, not only for us but for the community, and I, I, I'm, exactly. sure, I'm sure you're right there with me on that. Oh, yeah. Um, it's 
when I hear, um, if I'm walking through town uh, and, I, and, and I don't get a chance to do it very often, um, I, I, do, I call it in when I'm wearing my regular street clothes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Just sort of walking through town. Right there with you. Um, I love hearing little tidbits of conversation from people that that took the tour the night before and they don't know that it's me that they're that you know that's that stopped throughout the city listening to what they experienced. But the fact that they're planning on coming back mm-hmm. and stay at this hotel or oh, you know, Grim mentioned this awesome restaurant. Um, I, I love that that folks are wanting to come back to our community and at that point sure i want them to take my tour again that's a great thing but it it really means a lot to my wife and i that that the community is benefiting from this Mm. and i think it's just great to to bring it out and you know have this conversation so people who come out on the tours really understand you know kind of our philosophy behind what we do that it's not just out here you know telling ghost stories and, and trying to make a living that there's there's much more to that Oh, yeah. Grim, do you have a, a story that you can share with us, maybe from one of your tours that's maybe on the, I don't know, spookier side, so to speak? Well, um, you know, our, my favorite story um, is it, it, it takes a, a second to build it up um, in the regards that you have to understand that Port Townsend back in the 1800s all the way up until uh, 1924 was a very segregated town, but it wasn't. Uh, it was segregation from the rich and the poor. Mm-hmm. Uh, the downtown was where all the death and debauchery, murder, crime, prostitution took place. And then in the uptown district of Port Townsend, that's where the rich built their homes and their own community, um, separating themselves from the riffraff of downtown. The common phrase of the day was "sin flourished at sea level," <laughs> and uptown <laughs> was the separation between heaven and hell. Oh. So it was a very divided community in that regard. Hmm. But most of the brothels and taverns and you know and, and fun things were all in the downtown area. So occasionally, folks from the uptown would come down and and take part in some of the festivities that the town had to offer. Uh, there was one particular business owner who lived in the uptown district who owned a small boarding house for wayward uh, sailors downtown Port Townsend. He also ran a small furniture store. Uh, his biggest weakness, though, was he really sucked at business. Um, he was very terrible at, uh, at, at running the books um, and making sure that he was staying profitable. So he sent his daughter off to the East Coast to become educated in the ways of business management. Um, and when she returned back to Port Townsend, um, she took up a position within his boarding house and furniture store and started working with the public. But in doing so, she comes into contact with some of the riffraff that she's supposed to avoid. One of those riffraffs was a sailor by the name of Brian. Now, we don't know a lot about a Brian's, Brian's history before his arrival in town. We just know that he came to Port Townsend to sign off on a load of furniture that was to be loaded onto a big sailing vessel and taken off to Alaska. But when he walked to the furniture store door and saw Abigail sitting at the front desk, she must have been quite the sight to behold because he immediately quit his job and took up residence in the boarding house above the furniture store. Spent about six months trying to convince Abigail that a relationship was the right thing to have, and she finally relented and succumbed to his worldly ways, and a relationship ensued. But it was a relationship that they had to keep private, keep hidden, because she was an uptown kind of girl, and he was not an uptown kind of guy. 
few months into their relationship, uh, people in town started to wonder what's going on because we got this beautiful uptown girl, 17 years old, hanging downtown with, with, a, with a lowly sailor. One day when her father was in one of the drinking establishments having a beer, he came up and started ribbing him because Abigail was seen up on the hillside overlooking town holding hands with that sailor. And that is not what Abigail's father wanted to hear. He left the tavern, went storming up the hillside, flight of stairs that lead to the uptown district, and lo and behold, he did see Abigail sitting on a bench holding hands with Brian, and that's not what he wanted to see. He grabbed Abigail by the arm, and he dragged her to the top of the hill and sent her home, and then came back down to have a conversation with Brian. We don't know the words that were exchanged that day, but I promise you they weren't words of niceties. <laughs> the little conversation turned into a pushing match with them punching it out with one another. And after about five minutes of duking it out, they realized that they were both fairly evenly matched in this endeavor. And it was decided at that point to settle the dispute in a more gentlemanly fashion. See, this is back in the days when two men wanted to settle the dispute. It was socially acceptable for them to shoot each other. Oh, <laughs> a dueling match. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what they agreed upon there, right when and there on the hillside. And they took the steps away from each other, and they turned, and they drew their guns and fired. And fortunately for both men, they were terrible aims, and they missed oh, one no. another. But they didn't miss Abigail, oh, who oh, was no. standing at the top of the oh, hill no. watching the whole Jeez. scene unfold. Oh. One of the bullets found its way into Abigail's throat, and it dropped her to the ground, and she rolled down the hill about 15 feet and died at Brian's feet. <laughs> And that is the story of Abigail. Oh, God. Which wow. one shot her? Do we know? Um, it's interesting because uh, both men were taken to court shortly after, the, uh, after that incident. But during the course of the trial, the judge was forced to release both men because it was nothing more than a dueling match. And, well, if you're stupid enough to stand around and watch two men shoot each other and you happen to catch one of the bullets, yeah. that's your own tough luck. So both men were, were released of all charges and sent home. Um, but the twist of this whole tale is, is we get kind of a clue as to who shot Abigail based on the fact that after the trial, Brian went to the um, boarding house and gathered up all his possessions to, to, uh, to leave the boarding house. But he didn't leave town. What he ended up doing was moving into Abigail's father's uptown home, and that's where they spent the rest of their lives together, Brian and Abigail's father oh my God. living under one roof. Wow. Interesting. Death in 1940. Oh, my God. So we tend to think it was most likely her father that uh, pulled the trigger. Right. And he's uh, blackmailed, blackmailed into providing a good quality of life for Brian. What a great story. That's wow. a good one. That's a really good one. I don't like it for Abigail, but I like the story. It's <laughs> yeah, such it's a, different to me, times. it's a good story. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Grim is that. But I like to tell people that's the opening story for the evening um, oh. for our downtown dare tour. And what I tell people at that point is, unfortunately, this is the nicest story I have to tell for the evening. <laughs> wow. Is is that house still standing? Uh, yes, it is. Any ghost stories but, therein? Yeah, uh, we have no reports of paranormal okay. activity in that particular home. Okay. Oh, what a great story. Um, the oh. only report of paranormal activity we have that um, can be remotely traced back to Abigail is... Um, the separation between downtown and uptown is a flight of stairs that goes up to uh, up the hillside and into the uptown district. And she was standing at the top of the stairs at the time of the shooting. 
And uh, there's folks throughout the years that said that when they've left the downtown area and started walking the stairs later at night, usually when it's a little foggy or misty out, seeing the silhouette of a woman at the top of the stairs. And if that's truly what they're seeing, that's going to be Abigail because that's the only known death that we have in that location. Oh, that's great. What a great story. It's amazing. I love it. Now I want to hear more. Yeah, this such, is awesome. Such different then times. I did my job. You did. You, yes. you, you, you lured me right in. Mm-hmm. Yep. Totally. And, and, and I, I love it because I get to kind of picture it in my head and, and see what it was like. Are the stairs the still there? Is that site still pretty much? Yes, uh, the stairs are still there. Um, they, Like I said, they're, they're, I think it's 170 steps that go straight up the hillside. And they literally do separate uptown from downtown. Oh. Oh, I love it. I'm Imagine hearing that story at the base of those stairs. Wow. <laughs> That's a fun one to tell, especially on the on our midnight tour. Oh, Very nice. Great. Oh, I love it. So, Grim, in regards to kind of your tour season, how long do you guys tour out there? Like, for us, we usually start wrapping things up for walking tours in November here in New England. How long do you guys go out there for? Uh, we Our season is a little different here. Um, Port Townsend is very unique in the fact that even though we're in the Pacific Northwest and we're surrounded by uh, towns that get, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80 inches of rain a year, we only average 19. Hmm. So we have a year-round tourism season. Oh, nice. um, For the most part. And it does ebb and flow. um, You know, summertime and whatnot is obviously busy. Um, But we stay really busy up until the tail end of November. um, And then... uh, December, we're, we're relatively quiet. We scale back at that time from seven days a week to four days a week. And then Jan- December, January, February, we're pretty quiet that way. And then come March, we're right back at it again. Oh, I love it. So it's, it's essentially a year-round operation with a three-month slowdown. That's great. For, for us in New England, we, we always try to see how long we can go. And luckily, we've got a trolley that stretches our season a little bit longer, and we can start a little bit earlier. But um, mm-hmm. it would be kind of cool to be able to, to do tours year-round here. And, and our tourist season is, is larger from, like, Memorial Day up until, you know, the, the end of October or so, and then people right. start filtering away. So we try to be really creative with other things that we do and offer. And I notice you have some really creative stuff, too. Like morning tea, zombie crawl, like all this other cool stuff. Tell me a little bit about that. Um, We are more than just a ghost tour company. We also, um, you know, the touring side is uh, Twisted History Tours. We also do what's called Twisted Events, Um, whereas once a month uh, throughout the year, we try and host something fun and impressive for the community. Um, Everything from the zombie crawls. We've done lantern walks at night. We do fire performances um, downtown on the city pier. Um, burlesque shows um, and all of those are things that we offer we do a twisted burlesque Uh, those are all things that we offer in our slower time of the year now the the zombie crawl I have to ask because (laughs) zombies are are all the rage right now you have like a full schedule of events like 12 hours it's not just a it's not just a walk and in here in new england there's zombie crawls everywhere but they're usually like you know an hour two hours and everybody goes home like you got all kinds of crazy stuff going on here um this is our first year going that extreme with it um it's our third annual zombie crawl and uh the first couple of years it was uh makeup presentations and a couple of speakers and then the crawl itself 
uh, with prizes and, and whatnot. But this year, um, through popular demand, we've had some requests to expand upon the offering for the day. So it has turned into a, an all day into into the night at the zombie prom at the end of the night. Um, and before that, we've got the zombie crawl, we've got zombie contests, zombie hunting, uh, scavenger hunts through town, uh, team activities and um, vendors that are selling different items and, and Halloween-related uh, merchandise. Um, it's it's going to be a blast. It's <laughs> quite the event. It is. It sounds mm-hmm. awesome. Um, how many? Do you know about how many people came out last year for your zombie? Uh, uh, last year we had 140 or so, give or take. It's a good show. Mm-hmm. Um, this year we've already pre-sold uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 150 to 200 tickets. Wow. Oh, you're on to um, something there, Graham. Um, yeah, it, it was supposed to not be that big, but <laughs> what do you do? Mistakes <laughs> take a life of their own. They do. Sure. They do take a life of Sounds their own. Sounds like everything we talk about on the show. wasn't yeah. supposed to be that big. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's pretty much it. I know I've done good on an event when the next day the city police or the fire department contacts and says, um, no, not again. <laughs> oh, no. Not without permits. Yeah. Next year we have to talk. Yeah, no, I. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I totally get that. So, besides events, I also noticed that there's some tarot readings and uh, some more spiritual stuff going on there, Grim. Um, mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about that as, as a tarot reader myself. Um, I always love to connect with others, so tell me what's going on there. Well, my wife and I, for since we've been together, we're in our 15th year now. Um, one of the things that we've pursued as a, as a couple is a very spiritual life. Um, but we fall more in the lines of the uh, witch traditions, pagan traditions. And living in our community, it's very open um, in regards to that. We've got a very vibrant pagan community here. But nobody was really offering um, guidance as far as tarot readings or clairvoyant sessions and whatnot. So uh, we chose to uh, to open that option up for folks. Um, they can take uh, tarot readings or clairvoyant sessions before or after a ghost tour, um, uh, either a 15, 30, or 45-minute session, um, where Gussie, or she's my wife, um, does more of a clairvoyant intuition readings. Um, she does use the tarot, but it's more of a personalized session with each person. Um, she finds their true intention um, as far as what they're actually seeking, or at least she attempts to. And, and then helps guide them in that direction. Um, and then we, to uh, to allow opportunities for folks that are on the fence about, you know, clairvoyant psychics, tarot readings and whatnot, uh, we host special events and classes, um, instructional seminars and whatnot on spiritualism, funerary uh, traditions, um, uh, connecting with the dead, um, ancestral travel and things like that as workshops um, to expose folks to what they may, uh, may be seeking out of life. I think that's great. We're, we're in the, the same boat as you. Uh, we meet at a witchcraft shop in Portsmouth, and I teach on similar subjects there, and it, it's great to hear that you're bringing that out into the community because our, our community had it for a while, and then some folks moved on to other locations, and we've been bringing it back, too, and, and find that the community is very responsive. So I love that you're, you're well-rounded and give people an opportunity to do other things than tours as well. So I definitely wanted mm-hmm. to bring that up and out. I think that's fabulous. 
What well, my attitude right now is if I can do something that's related to Twisted History 365 days a year, I'm going to explore it. <laughs> oh, man, yeah, that is that is us for sure. Um, so if somebody's coming out to Port Townsend, what can they expect in a visit? If they're going to come out and see you and they're going to take a tour, maybe get a reading, check out a class, mm-hmm. what, what else does Port Townsend have to offer that we should know about? Oh, boy. <laughs> well, two historic districts containing over uh, 300 different uh, buildings and homes that are of the uh, Victorian era. We're located right on the port of Port Townsend, um, which is uh, an artisan's port. It's not a port where you're bringing in big shipping containers. It's where wooden ships that you see in the movies are being built. Oh, uh, I love it. Nice. building schools, uh, wooden boat schools, and then we've got uh, the Maritime Center out here, which is uh, host to the second largest wooden boat festival on the uh, West Coast. Every month it, we have a different um, celebration um, or activity in town. Um, we convert our town into a Victorian Christmas during December, and then uh, every month after that, there's a different festivity, a jazz festival, wooden boat festival, film festivals, uh, steampunk, Victorian. I mean, the list just goes on and on. So there's always something going on in Port Townsend. It sounds great. It sounds a lot like Portsmouth. There's mm-hmm. always a festival for something. Well, if I remember correctly, Portsmouth is a Victorian seaport, isn't it? Uh, we're a colonial seaport. Colonial, colonial. okay. Yeah, we're, we're, we're Victorian. Yeah, 1623. Of course, we have a lot of Victorian as well, but uh, we're largely um, one, of, one of the oldest ports in the Northeast, which is great. Have you been to Portsmouth? Uh, not since I was about six. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You'll find it's changed quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it has. <laughs> In some ways, in, in some ways, and in, in others, in others so it's, it still remains the same. No, yeah. you are you are right, Lou. I I completely agree with you. Um, well, I know that uh, my connection to Portsmouth is I've got family that settled there in seventeen ten or some weird thing like that. Oh, nice. I'm wondering if they're in any of the cemeteries that we do tours of. That's the first place. Uh, yes. No, uh, we've got. I've got. Well, it's interesting, both my family, um, on my wife's side and my side, um, were here pre-colonial, um, fought in Revolutionary War, War of 1812, Civil War on both sides. Um, most all of it along the eastern seaboard um, is where our family kind of took up residence. And I know that we've got uh, uh, family buried in Portsmouth, and we've also got them in Salem, all over the area up there. The East Coast has always been yeah. kind of a draw to me in the Northeast. Oh, you should you should you should come out, and I'd I'd be happy to see if I could find any of the graves for you and take pictures and send them over to you because we. Oh, that's great! As a genealogist, I'm always looking forward mm-hmm. to that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. We'd be we'd be happy to show you that side of of the city as well. The graves are are fantastic. The old skulls and bones and our cemeteries yeah. go back to the 1650s. Three hundred year old plus. Yeah, so that's one of the things I miss out here is you know the cemeteries uh, for the most part are uh, late 1800s. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, truly miss the, the Midwest, East Coast, and Northeast cemeteries. You know, finding graves that were from the 1600s, 1700s is mm-hmm. pretty cool. Well, we'll just have to have you out then yep. <laughs> for a visit. 
So in when we when we look at a, a lot of our New England cities, we have like there's always like one person that was responsible for so much of a change in the city. So we have Frank Jones in Portsmouth. He was Victorian Portsmouth, the Robert Baron. A lot of buildings that he built have ghost stories like the Wentworth mm-hmm. and the Rockingham. Was there one guy in, or you know, maybe it was one woman in Port Townsend that you know was kind of strange, left a little bit of a legacy behind that we might find today? Oh, definitely. Um, that's the one of the many things that I love about our town is we still have families that live here today that that uh, founded our community. Um, they still own the homes and the buildings that uh, that their ancestors created here in our town. Um, so on that regard, just the family lineage um, is still holding very strong here. Uh, but as far as it's a toss-up, um, there's two characters that I like to talk about a lot in, in the uh, creating the, the blueprint for what the town, the, you know, what Port Townsend eventually became, and that is uh, uh, William Bishop and James Swan, two of the early founders of our community. Um, and I and I like to compare the two because they were both on two different moral spe- spectrums. Um, we've got, you know, nice. James Swan came out here to uh, to make his way and, and to develop uh, uh, his family that he left on the East Coast. He actually left him in Maine, but he never did uh, acquire that massive wealth because he became a humanity. <laughs> um, he started uh, interviewing all the Native um, American uh, tribes that are throughout our region and learning their histories, their stories, their folklore, basically anything and everything he can learn from these folks. And he wrote it down in a series of books that eventually um, made their way to the Smithsonian Institute and their Native American life of the West Coast. Um, So on a cultural level, he really stands out on a... The other side of the moral spectrum is a man that um, helped build our community that we know is responsible for the burning of our child, which killed somewhere around the, the neighborhood of 1,100 folks. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, he sold his 12-year-old stepdaughter to a slave trader. Shakes. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. He, um, he, he was not a, a nice guy. And I don't know if you've ever heard of the term mon pa kettle before. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The term Mon Pa Kettle was coined out of a book called The Egg and I. The author of The Egg and I was William Bishop's next door neighbor. And the term Mon Pa Kettle are actually the characters that he's describing the Bishop family. Hmm. Oh. And all of their nefarious deeds. And what's really neat is one of my uh, past tour guides up until this last year was a uh, direct descendant of William Bishop. And like she told me on many occasions, the crap that we're telling these stories pales in comparison to the truth. <laughs> like, great. <laughs> oh, my kind of story. I love it. Yeah. Now, uh, he, he, he was an interesting character. That's, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I always like to find those characters where if I could go and dig somebody up and just learn more about them. Like like I said, Frank Jones is the guy. This sounds like the guy over there. <laughs> Anything and everything from money and power. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's a Frank eventually Jones. becoming a senator. <laughs> they always end up in politics. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right? Isn't that, yeah, well, it helps them out. The, <laughs> furthers all their interests, doesn't it? 
It's funny, all these founders of the towns are the first families of the towns that we talk about. I, I mm -hmm. used to joke about, uh, remember VH1 had this Behind the Music series? Yes, oh, yeah. of course. And, and every story was the same. It was a different band, but the, <laughs> the storyline was the same. It's the same yep. thing with all these first families of these towns. Mm -hmm. There's all kinds of corruption, all kinds of issues, mm -hmm. all kinds of stories, but they built tons of stuff, mm -hmm. and, and they just flavored the town for centuries. Mm -hmm. Well, I think for for... You know, populating, um, especially as we moved west, it took a special kind of character to found a city True. or a community. Um, and originally, I think those characters were the ones that, that did lack the the moral fortitude required to be considered a human, a decent human being. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, that was but almost was, a prerequisite, was, prerequisite for becoming that person, becoming the type of person mm -hmm. who could found a town and build an empire like that. You, you almost had to have a certain ruthlessness about you. Yes. Exactly. And that's what I tell people when we do the tours when I talk about the you know, the death of the native tribes of the or Chinatown and, and, and the Shanghaiers and, and the brothel owners. Um, I never do pass judgment on those past characters. I'm not offended or unoffended by what they did. Um, the way I view it is they were nothing more than a product of our times. Unfortunately mm -hmm. times have changed. Mm. And so, I, I think that's one thing that we, we found too in Portsmouth when we talk to people about, you know, generations, how they talked about the brothel owners and all of that, how some of them were actually seen as upstanding citizens because they gave back to the community, they were good to people in the mm -hmm. community, and, and that's another interesting side that I think people are always surprised to hear. So I, I like your take on that quite a lot. Yeah, it's, uh, you yeah, know, like I said, I can't get mad at them. They were nothing more than a product of their time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> What do you want people to, to know about the tours, Grim, and how do they find you? Uh, they find us uh, multiple places, um, mostly Facebook um, and TripAdvisor. Um, of course, our website, TwistedHistoryTours.com. Um, and I think the biggest takeaway that I want people to, to have when they, when they take not just my tours, but any tour, and that falls back on our, on our little tagline, is the past has a presence. Everything that took place in the past in all of our communities helps shape and mold where our towns and our communities are today. And it makes a lot of sense. Definitely. Yeah, for, for, for us too. I mean, I, I completely relate with that. Well, Grim, we have to invite you out to New England sometime. You've we got to get out there. Yeah, yeah, you've you've got to come out here, and we will come out there. This this sounds like our kind of community. We love old port cities. We know there's always more than that postcard exterior that there is there. And, and again, a lot yeah. of similarities to Portsmouth. Very much. I'm totally in. Lou, you in for a road trip? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know Gussie's trying to get me to decide uh, next season not do as many tours and do more traveling, so. How are you going to do that when you're opening up more tours I see here? <laughs> well, um, there's a few different ways that we're going about it. Um, the biggest one is just hiring folks to run each community. Nice. Um, and then the other one is, is we're getting into tour management um, through uh, existing ghost tour companies, uh, basically turning ourselves into a giant affiliate program where we can resell any tour in the country. Hmm. So it's it's more of a business management next year, and I've turned my team here in Port Townsend into the leaders of, of the next generation of Twisted History and where we're going. So they're gonna they're gonna take the vision and run with it. 
Oh, I, I got to tell you, you've got a lot of irons in the fire there, Grim, and I, I admire you for, for taking it as far as you did in, in starting it from from something small and now having this really huge vision. And, and that tells me that you're doing everything right, and, and I love that. I wouldn't get that carried away. <laughs> it sounds good. You know, it's there's there's no... There's no formula for putting together a, a ghost tour company. How about it's a net right. Not everything is right, but in the end, we're moving in the right direction. We are moving in the right <laughs> that's direction. That's true. Yeah. That, that's true. And, and to, to be able to, to craft so many things, you know, from, from what you were given in the beginning and now make this something that's got legs, I think is amazing. Yeah, and, but you guys are doing the same thing. It started from almost nothing, and, and look at the types of things you're doing now. It's, yeah, it's yeah. just exploded. Yes, and we've learned well, along it, the way. It takes a lot of passion. It does. In our traveling, we, we turned it into research. We, we, yeah, we, yep. even, even sampling alcohol for our haunted pub book. That was research. <laughs> yep. That's research. <laughs> it is. <laughs> we get creative. Grim, you have to. <laughs> thank you so much for, for being on Wicked Curious today. I really appreciate you taking the time and kind of opening up the grave where you are and letting us know what's going on. Well, thank you very much for inviting me on. I really enjoyed myself. Thank you. Thanks. We hope to talk to you soon. Yes, definitely. You take care. You too. Bye-bye. That was great. That was great, yes. Another seedy oh. port town. I'm in. Get in the car. Let's go. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like listening about Portsmouth all over again on the West Coast. It's, it's great. I love it. Secrets, strange people, brothels, mayhem, murders. Accidental killings. Was it an accident? Hmm. Was it an accident? Well, if the father would have shot his daughter on purpose, well, but you no, never maybe, know. Well, you never know. And then, you know, it, it's a, it's a great story. Yeah. Right. But B, it got me. It's like I think all three of us gasped. We did. Because yeah, like, you didn't see it coming. No. Like, you probably should have in retrospect, but. And then even stranger, the boyfriend lives in the father's place for the rest of his life. I didn't see that coming either. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure of his interpretation of that. Well, Although they, that was blackmail, or, not. or at least guilt. Guilt, uh, yeah. You know, come live with me. I killed her. If he, ex- if, if, if he was facing her, that makes more sense to me. Yeah. Although, you know, what do I know? I don't know the guy. Well, you never, you never know anybody's motivation. That was really cool, mm-hmm. though. Yeah. I, I love it. I'm hooked. That's, yeah, there's some seedy stuff going out there. there some How do you get a story these days that you don't see coming? And then there's that twist in the middle. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> and I, like I'm invested in poor Abigail. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> she's gone. Yeah. Where'd she go? Yeah, I don't, because he's like, oh, and, you know, they were both bad shots, so nothing happened there. We're like, oh. And then that, she drops Oh, and I thought she like, went home. Like, oh, he sent her home, and, you know, off she went. So I'm like, oh. Think of know. that scene, and all of a sudden Abigail comes rolling down the hill. <laughs> Yeah, and they're like, what are we doing? First of all, the shot goes off, and they're all doing this. They're all, <laughs> nope, I'm not hit. I'm, and then, I'm, I'm not still hit. living? Yeah. <laughs> nice. Oh, too funny. No. You can't make that up. And again, standing there right in front of the steps and hearing that story. I mean, that's that's the thing about these poor, older towns and mm-hmm. poor towns, that you can tell the history. It's not in a book where you're apart from it. You can right. just sit right there and tell the story. Yeah, and, and, and imagine in your mind's eye what it was like to see all of well, this that, unfold. That's the cool part of doing these tours is you're standing right there where right. it happens, so people are like, ooh, you know, they're looking around. Yeah, you can get they, into it. They it's, get it's the easy, vibe. It's easy mm-hmm. to feel inside the story when mm-hmm. you're standing right where it happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
That was a good time. I, I loved liked it. it. <laughs> I liked it. Grim was great. Talked to him all day. Uh, no, me too. But next week we'll be talking to Roy Heiser from Haunted Cincinnati Tours. Mm. So um, definitely come back for that next week. And, of course, if you missed last week, we were doing more uh, interviews with, uh, of course, the Greater Adirondack Ghost Tour Company. So there's more stories to come as we move forward. And if you want to find us, we're New England Curiosities at NewEnglandCuriosities.com. And, of course, if you have any suggestions as well, let us know. Oh, hey, speaking of (laughs) the Greater Adirondack. Ghost and Tour Company. There they are. Good morning. Hey, how Hello. you guys doing? They're, they're down there in the room. And thank you for everybody that's been commenting, by the way, on Facebook Live. Charlene and Miguel and hey to everybody there. It's it's great to know that you guys are listening. Our numbers have been up, and that's thanks to you guys for, for paying attention and hopping into uh, the chat room with us and letting us know what's going on. Sadly, another episode of Wicked Curious comes to a close. As I said, we thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with more ghosties. It's October. Get those Halloween decorations out. We're looking for them. And as always, stay wicked curious. <laughs>